Hi, welcome to everyone who's listening in today. Uh, my name is Ed Travers. I'm the teaching pastor here at LifePoint in Westville. Grateful to have you listening in. I uh, want to let you know that uh, uh, we've been doing something here at LifePoint where we're asking everyone to pray at 10.02 every day. That can be a.m. or p.m. or both, however you choose. Uh, but we're using uh, the prayer from Luke 10.2 where the Lord uh, said, hey, pray that there would uh, be workers for the harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Uh, so that's something that we're doing together as a church, asking that everyone pray at 1002. Um, thank you so much for, for listening today. Particularly, um, I'm excited to be able to share this message with you in this series, Labels, where we're talking about how uh, the gospel calls us to live a life above labels. Uh, in uh, the scripture here in the book of Luke, Jesus really interacts with a lot of people who are on the fringes, people who had been uh, labeled specifically by the religious elites, uh, people who would have been isolated. Um, and on top of that, we're, we're going to show today, even from this passage, I think, to, to show us how to break through those labels. Uh, but I, I wanted to share with you uh, just an, an interaction I had uh, with a guy way back uh, in high school. My junior year of high school, I went to Northland High School on the north end of Columbus, one of the City League high schools. And uh, I got the opportunity to go to a career center, which was all the way on the southeast side of Columbus during my junior year and my senior year. Uh, the program I was going to be a part of was uh, a marketing education program that was really, to me, I was super excited to be a part of that. Uh, it was college-level courses, uh, really teaching you about business, about entrepreneurship. I was very excited to be part of the program. The problem was uh, I didn't know anybody in the class, and people from all over the city, uh, every different high school uh, were allowed to come and be a part of this class. So when I showed up on day one, uh, I mean, I didn't know anybody. And, you know, it, it just was, it was kind of intimidating. Well, I want to tell you about this interaction I had with this, this guy. His name was Curtis. Curtis was from a different high school. Curtis didn't look like me. He was a young, young black guy, I'm, you know, young white guy at the time. We come in, so we don't really look alike. Uh, we had completely different personalities. I knew almost right away, I had Curtis pegged. Like, he was going to be the class clown. Uh, he was a football star at his high school. He, was, he wasn't very tall, but he was just built like a, a brick house. I mean, just a really strong guy. Uh, he had that personality where he was going to be in kind of an alpha personality. He sat in the very back of the class. I sat in the front. Uh, and on day one, he had a couple buddies back there, and he was kind of making jokes and uh, being kind of that, that class clown personality. And, and honestly, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to stay away from this guy. Like, he's probably going to be that guy, you know what I'm saying? That uh, he's, he's not going to be doing well in the class. He's probably just going to be partying it up. And, you know, he had that kind of personality. Uh, and I just, I had him pegged. And I kind of wanted, I didn't want to get on his bad side either. Uh, I just, you know, wanted to kind of, you know, stay away from him, honestly. Well, the way the class worked, um, you know, we learned about from, from, you know, the classroom setting, we learned a lot about marketing and education, but we had the hands-on experience. We had to actually run the school uh, warehouse, the school warehouse. Uh, so everything that came in the building, what, from paper products to cleaning goods, all came through us. We had an ordering department where we had to order those materials for the school. We had a receiving and shipping department we had to handle. We had a school store where we sold candy and, and T-shirts and such like that uh, that we had to run. We had to run the marketing around there. So it was a hands-on marketing education. And the way that the class worked is we had to be separated into different groups where we would work for, you know, a month at a time in different areas uh, around, you know, this, you know, these departments. And it forced us to work closely with our classmates. And Curtis was one of those guys I got to work closely with at different times over the course of that first year. And here's what I found. 
Curtis was a really kind and thoughtful guy. Uh, yes, was he a class clown? Yes. Uh, was he a football star? Yes. Was he really smooth with the ladies and, and that guy? Yes. He was all of those things, but he also was extremely kind, thoughtful, caring young guy. He wanted to do well in school. It didn't come as easily to him as it did to me, but he wanted to do well. He had a desire, and he, he was not uh, unkind to anyone in the class. Uh, I had him kind of pegged completely wrong, and it's because we worked together that I realized that I, I was wrong about Curtis completely. And I actually enjoyed being around him. I enjoyed the two years I got to spend with that classmate. On the senior year at graduation, he grabbed me, hugged me, and kissed me on the cheek. I don't think that's ever happened with any other classmate in my life. Um, I was really shocked by the whole interaction over the two years of time because I was wrong about Curtis. I, I bring it up because in this series we're in. We're really looking at how labels can become our limits. And it's oftentimes that, that we see people and we kind of label them and we, it limits our interaction with them. And, and honestly, sometimes those labels become the things that we isolate us from one another. And I, I think that the Lord actually wants us to break through those labels that we uh, create, our man-made labels. Because the gospel is supposed to go out and be shared with all of the people, uh, every nation and every tribe and every tongue. That The gospel is supposed to permeate culture. And you have to break through labels in order to be a part of what God is doing. And I think that for people who are like me, who, who would say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus with my life, then we realize that, that we can't put man-made labels on people. Our job is to love them and, and share with them. But at the same time, I think people who feel isolated, who feel like they're not connected with uh, the heart of God, that it's people like me that have to break through with the love of God to them. And I think no matter where you're at, you, you recognize that it's true. We create labels that isolate us, whether it's uh, you know, how we see the way that people act or the way that people behave or the way that people parent or the way that people vote. Like we have all these reasons to kind of isolate ourselves from others. And yet, I think God wants something more for us. So the question is that, all right, well, how do we break through? What is it that God really wants for me? And is it better? Does God have a better plan than the plan that I have for myself? That's a question that uh, I'm hoping that this scripture will answer. So let me take a second to pray and let's dig in. Uh, Father, I believe there's a purpose for uh, all of us who are listening in today. And I ask God that uh, you would draw us close to you. You would help us to connect to your heart and help us to see a better way. Help us to see what it means to break through the man-made labels that isolate us. We ask that in your son's name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open up to Luke chapter 7. We've been following along in Luke in this series and looking at different stories and, and interactions that Jesus had. And we're going to look at one today. And the first thing I want to share is this, is that some labels are worth pursuing. Some labels are worth pursuing. In context, what's happening is Jesus, uh, we last heard, had healed this man who was lowered through the roof and was paralyzed. And Jesus healed him. So here's this guy who's getting up and walking. He'd been doing a lot of teaching uh, in the communities. And so now he's kind of traveling around to different communities and he's teaching in those communities. And people are flocking to hear him. So he's having this incredible popularity rising up in Israel, and his ministry is growing. And this happens next. Uh, it's found in chapter 7, verse 36. Here's what it says. Now, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, 
brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, this is a pretty amazing uh, little section of scripture. I want you to imagine uh, when a Pharisee would come into town, I'm sorry, when a rabbi would come into town, he would be teaching probably in a synagogue and the local Pharisees, uh, it was almost obligatory that they would have the rabbi over at their house for a customary dinner, right? This is a way that uh, they would honor the the rabbi and kind of get to know him and his teaching better. Um, Now, in this particular case, there's this Pharisee that invites Jesus to have dinner at his house. That dinner would have been a public dinner. So they didn't eat inside necessarily. uh, Their homes were typically small. So he would have been out at a courtyard and they would have been reclining, you know, think of kind of laying back on the left arm, eating with the right, you know, kind of like that. And the Pharisee would have been here and Jesus would have been here and there would have been people at a table or whatnot. And then there would be people from the town gathered around. Think of it as like a public gathering, uh, listening in on the conversation between the rabbi and the Pharisee and whatnot. At that moment, This woman hears about this. Somehow she hears that Jesus is there and she purposely goes and gets her alabaster jar of ointment. An alabaster jar would have been expensive and that ointment would have been expensive. So it was very valuable to her. She goes, she sees him and she immediately goes behind him where his feet are sitting out and she starts to weep and her tears are falling on his feet. And then she's literally wiping, she takes down her hair, which would have been a cultural no-no. Like that would have been like a provocative thing. She's taking down her hair and she's cleaning his feet off with her own hair. I want you to think about that. These people would walk around the towns, dusty towns where animals were everywhere. They didn't have shoes on, they had sandals. You take those sandals off, dirty feet, and she's literally wiping his feet off with her hair, clean, and she's kissing them. And she takes out the ointment and she's starting to put them over his feet. I mean, this was just a lavish display of honor and gratitude towards Jesus. Now, it wasn't unusual to see someone washing feet. Typically, when you went to someone's house, the owner of the house would provide, you know, one of his servants to wash their feet. So that wasn't unusual. But this woman, what she was doing was highly unusual, weeping on his feet, crying and cleaning his feet and kissing his feet. This is an amazing, uh, an amazing picture of an outward expression of incredible love that she had for Jesus. Now, the implication here is that somehow she had had an interaction with him or heard of him or knew of him or realized who he was. Somehow he had touched her life and here she is coming publicly making this display. Now, it also says she was a sinner. I'm gonna get to that in a second. But here's the thing I want you to notice about this outward expression of love. Now, Jesus actually labels her as the woman who loved much. She's the one who loved much. That was her label that was given to her by the Lord. This outward expression of love, honestly, for a guy like me, uh, I'm not an outward expression guy, right? I I love deeply, but man, I'm kind of reserved in in my nature. And when I see outward expressions of love, sometimes it kind of makes me feel awkward, right? Uh, I remember particularly moments I've had where, uh, you know, I've been around people. I remember praying with someone who was receiving Christ. They decided to, they heard the gospel. They realized that their sin had separated them from God and, and they wanted to receive the grace and mercy of God. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead. But there was a moment where this, this 
you know, young woman wanted to receive Christ. She wanted to uh, receive that love and grace and mercy on her heart. And we were praying together, and, and uh, I asked her, you know, to, to pray, to, to ask for forgiveness, and she just started weeping, and, and tears were falling on my hand as, you know, my wife was on my right, and this woman was on my left, and, and I look over, and, she, and she's just weeping because she was overcome that she, that she could even be forgiven. I remember another person in our church that at the time was like the six foot seven guy. And he would, when he would praise God, he would raise his arms up. And he had such a large wingspan. I was like, it was striking how like long his arms were as he would praise God openly. And I remember another woman who had kind of lived a life that was apart from the Lord for a long time. She was kind of anti-Jesus for a long time until she heard the message of the gospel and really heard it for the first time in her heart, and she received Christ. And I remember when me or anyone else would be preaching the gospel and talking about the grace of God, she would start to weep, and then she would get loud, and she would, she would kind of wail. She was so overwhelmed with the grace and mercy of God. Sometimes these outward expressions of love can make people like me feel a little bit awkward. But here's the thing. This is a label worth pursuing. The label that the one who loved much. And here's what I can tell you, that an outward expression of love is only one way in which someone shows their love for the Lord. I want you to look a little further into this woman's life. She heard that Jesus was there and so she wanted to be there. She pursued Jesus. She wanted to be where he was at. That's an, an, an expression of love. She, uh, you know, of course worshiped him, but it cost her something. You know, she actually uh, took that alabaster jar and, and opened it up and put some of her, you know, ointment on it. That would have cost her, a, that would have been a significant amount of money to even have something like that to pour it on him. And on top of that, she didn't seem to care what anyone else thought. Her only concern was him. Do you see that for us, you know, you may not be an outward expression person, but to, to pursue Jesus with your life, to pursue wherever he's at. Not coming to church because it's, it's fun to be there or it's social, or one, but you come to church to meet with Jesus. You, you pursue him with your life. You, you look, you know, and it costs you something. The, the things that you love most cost you something. And you don't care what others think. This is a label worth pursuing. And let me be honest with you. Deep down, what I want more than anything in this world is that the Lord would say that I'm the one who loves much. I can't claim that label for myself. I can only pursue him and allow him to put that label on my life. But that is a label worth pursuing, the one who loves much. But some labels, they need to be destroyed. Some labels need to be destroyed. Here's what happens next, verse 39. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, well, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both, uh, of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Well, Simon answered, well, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. 
You did not uh, anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. I mean, this, this is an interesting thing. Simon the Pharisee, he's sitting there. He watches this thing going on, and, and maybe this girl puts her hair down, which was a sign that you, know, you didn't do in public. And she's got a reputation in town. Maybe she is a prostitute. That's what kind of the word there for sinner kind of implies. And, but she has a bad reputation. And here she is making a spectacle of herself, loving on Jesus. And Simon's like, that's, that's, a, that's a sinful woman. If this guy were really a prophet, if he were really a prophet, then he would know. Like Simon, this Pharisee, is revealing his own heart right here in this moment. Because he's labeling this woman. She's a sinner. She should be isolated away. She doesn't deserve to be here. She should be away. That's what happens when we label other people like Pharisees do. We isolate them from us. But what Jesus does here is he tells a little parable. And Simon doesn't get it at first, probably. He's telling a parable about the woman and Simon. And he says, well, there's this, there's this money lender, you know, and one, he lends one five, uh, five and one fifty. And a denarii, um, you know, or I'm sorry, it, was, it would be 50 and 500. And imagine a denarii is like one day's wage. So 50 denarii would be like two months worth of work. That would have been a significant debt in that culture to even pay back. That would have been a lot of money to pay back. But 500 denarii, 500 days wages, like we're talking about, you know, a year and a half worth of work, that would have been indentured servant, possibly slavery. You could lose your life, your livelihood, your home over that kind of a debt. Both are forgiven. The owner forgives both the same. And he says, Simon, which one will love him more? And Simon says, well, of course, this is an easy one. This is a no-brainer. The one who had the 500 uh, debt. Now, and Jesus makes the point. Yes, Simon, that's exactly right, Simon. You see, this woman, she's a 500 sinner person. And I've forgiven those 500 sins. That's why she loves me. She loves much because she's been forgiven much. But you know what? There are those people like you, Simon, you consider yourself like you're just a 50 sinner person. And you don't seem to love at all. That's the message. You know, when I think about this, the Pharisee, that label, the one who loves little, that's a label that needs to be destroyed. That's the kind of label that actually isolates you, not only from others, but isolates you from God himself. Because when, you, when you're a Pharisee at heart, you miss out on the heart of God. That the Lord considers the sinner and the Pharisee worthy of being there. Look, Jesus ate with the Pharisee. He hung out with him, this self-righteous religious elite. He hung out with him. That shows that he's willing to be with him. At the same time, he's hanging out with this, this woman who's a sinner. Jesus cared about both. He was willing to forgive both. And yet this Pharisee would have none of that. Like he doesn't care. He's isolating. He's judging Jesus. He's judging this woman. Why? Because he's kind of self-inflating while devaluing this woman at the same time. All right. So maybe, you know, you're, you're reading the story and thinking, okay, well, thank goodness I'm not a Pharisee. And <laughs> this is the problem. Deep down in all of us, there's a Pharisee that wants to rise up and live. Isn't it true, if, if you're someone who you feel like you're far from God, isn't it true that there's somewhere along the line, there's been some church person who made you feel small, made you feel judged? Isn't that true? And then you, you kind of look at them and you're like, man, I would never want to be like that. 
right? Like we all judge no matter what end of the coin you're on. And here's what I found with Christians, that as we realize the gospel and it changes our life, that God starts to change our behaviors. And then it's easy then to look down on other people who don't behave like we do. We judge them. There's this little Pharisee that lives in us that wants to rise up and take over our life. And then we start to judge other people. We judge the way they parent. We judge the way they handle themselves. We judge the way they spend their money. We judge their social media. We judge the way they talk, the way they tell jokes, what they watch on TV. Christians judge other Christians all the time. And it's terrible. Why? Because that Pharisee is trying to take over our life. It wants us to feel like this sense of importance and overinflate our own dignity while devaluing others at the same time. Look, that only creates isolation. And maybe we do that because we want to feel more comfortable, be around people just like us. But that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of the gospel at all. If you allow that Pharisee to take over your life, you're in danger of missing out on the heart of God. So here's the question then. How do we break through? And this is what I want you to see in this passage is that Jesus actually shows us how to break through these labels. Let me go back to verse 44. I want you to hear this verse and just think about this for a minute as we kind of go forward. I want you to imagine the setting. This crowd is there. It's at the Pharisee's home. There's probably other Pharisee and religious leaders there. Maybe some of Jesus' disciples are there and, and there's some other people from the crowd. I mean, people are there, maybe some you know, close family members are, are there from the Pharisees. I mean, it's, it's a thing, right? At this point, nobody's looking at this woman and really noticing her other than Jesus. Here's what he says, verse 44. Turning toward the woman. So he turns away from Simon. He turns towards the woman. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Do you notice her? Skip down to verse 48 after he's had that little parable and explains the parable. Verse 48, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. I mean, can you imagine that moment? Here she is, she's making a spectacle of her incredible love and honor she's giving towards Jesus. He looks her in the eye, turning away from Simon, the most important person in the room in his own mind, turns towards her and says, your sins are forgiven. Then those who are at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Do you know what you need more than anything else in life? (laughs) Whether you know it or not, you need peace with God because there's something in us that knows that our heart is off. We know there's something in us that's a little bit broken. This is why when we come to God, we want God to forgive us. We want God to notice us personally. We want God to, we want to know that he's in our life. And more than anything, we want to know that we're at peace with him. He's not against us. This is what Jesus is offering to this woman. In the middle of the crowd, in the middle of everything happening, he looks at her and says, your faith Your faith is what I wanted from you. Your faith. And because of that, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. I think the way you break through the label is you stop seeing people as something as other than you. You stop seeing them as a they or a them. You see, in the Lord's eyes, we're all a we. We're all here and we're all sinners, and we're all in need of forgiveness. Simon, who, and listen, you got to understand, Pharisees were professional behaviorists. They purposely behaved well. It's part of their profession. But he didn't realize he was a sinner too. Nobody is perfect. Everybody is sinful in their heart. 
And sure, this woman lived a lifestyle of sin, but she's worthy of the grace of God too, like because of him. He cares about her, just like him. They both need forgiveness. I think what we do is we create these labels for people. We, we decide who they're going to be when we meet them, you know, and, and, or we see how they behave, we see how they act, we see how they're dressed, we see how they treat their kids, we see how they you know, treat their social media. We, we decide, you know, oh, they're not committed as I am. Oh, they don't work as hard as I do. They don't give as much as I do. They don't serve as much as I do. And we literally create labels for people without ever actually seeing them personally. Because, and here's what you and I want from others. We want people, before they judge us, we want them to actually see into our heart. You know, how can they judge me? They don't understand what's going on in me, right? We want to be seen personally. I was in a, in a men's life group uh, last term, or maybe the term before, and uh, I, I, love my, I love my life group with my guys. Uh, there's a guy there named Bill. He's the oldest guy that comes. Uh, he's definitely a senior. Uh, you know, he's, he's a grandpa. He's, uh, he's been around the block. He loves the Lord. Uh, and I love it when he kind of gives us little nuggets of wisdom uh, that he shares from his life. Uh, and we were having a conversation in the men's group about this very issue, about how we can kind of judge other people. And, and that judgment keeps us from actually, you know, connecting to them. And he told this story. And the story is actually from a book called Seven Habits of the Highly Effective Person uh, from Stephen Covey. But it's a story about a subway and a family that gets on the subway. It's a dad and his three kids. They get on the subway, it's super crowded. The dad sits down, he's kind of got his head in his hands and his kids are just kind of playing along, kind of unsupervised. And the kids, as they're unsupervised, start to kind of act up, they're getting loud, they're kind of being disruptive, they're messing with other people's stuff and they're starting to become annoying to the other people on the bus or on the subway. And one of the guys is sitting there watching this. He's looking over at the other people and they're all kind of rolling their eyes and they're all kind of getting annoyed. And like, who is this guy who literally decides to not parent, right? He needs to get his kids in check. And so this, this guy who's witnessing the whole thing finally decides to get up the nerve. He's gonna say something to this parent. And he says to the parent, hey, hey buddy, I don't know if you notice, but your kids are like causing a disruption to all the other people on the subway. Look at them. Like they're disrupting here, they're doing this, they're getting loud, they're being unruly. Like, man, you gotta get it together and take care of your kids. The guy looks up at him and says, man, I am, I am so, so sorry. We just came from the hospital and they just lost their mother about an hour ago. And honestly, I'm just trying to figure out what to do. You know, as Bill shared that story, it's obvious to all of us, right? That, that when you see the world through someone else's eyes, it changes the way you interact with them. When you stop doing that and you label them and you isolate them, like that's what puts up the barrier. We can't connect with others. But when you see it through their eyes, it changes the way that you interact with them. It changes the way that you see their life. And I think Jesus sees us. That's the beauty of Jesus. He sees through all that. We don't know what this lady's backstory is, but I guarantee you don't go into a sinful life simply by making a couple of bad choices. There's usually a whole ecosystem of life around you that creates that kind of a lifestyle. And he sees through that all. He sees her heart, just like he sees Simon's life. What makes you become a Pharisee? What makes you become a rule follower? What makes, what makes you become self-righteous? He sees that person too. He sees us. That's the heart of the Lord. And there's something in us that wants to create labels so that we can either self-inflate or isolate or make us feel comfortable around the people we wanna be comfortable with. And that keeps us from connecting to others. And listen, God pours his heart into us simply, not just so that we can receive that for ourselves, but it would spill out on other people. 
You know, the message of the gospel should never be isolated into one person. It should be spilled onto others. That's the beauty of the gospel. And in the gospel, here's the, here's the reality. It, it's a level playing field for everybody, no matter how you live. That we know that no matter how good a life or how bad a life you've lived, everyone is a sinner and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And in the gospel, we recognize that even though we're undeniably flawed, no matter how flawed we are, you recognize that we are incredibly loved by Jesus. That's why he died on the cross for us to pay the penalty for our sin so that we, by faith, could receive that gift and come and be in relationship with the Father. This, this can't be, we can't, uh, we can't live our lives with that Pharisee heart in us. We need to adopt the heart of Christ and allow that to start to grow in our soul. So what does that mean? Listen, if you're, if you're listening in and you, you might identify more with that lady right now, that maybe you, know, you feel like you're far from God and you just need forgiveness, and you want to have that heart of God, right? You, you want him. Then for you, it's simply turning towards the Lord today and receiving his love and forgiveness. But maybe you identify more with Simon that, you know, you can find yourself judging other people and you don't even know why you do it. It's just in there and you sometimes feel bad about it. But you need the heart of the Lord. You need the gospel as much as the person who's far from God. We need the gospel to change us from the inside out. Wherever you're at, I'm just gonna encourage you to pray. Take a second, just talk to God. Lord, I pray for people like me who can be believers who love you. At the same time, we can be so judgmental of others. We put people in categories and we dismiss them and and we never see it through their eyes. God, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. Help us to love other people the way that you love them. God, we repent of living this lifestyle where we simply choose uh, to label people based on what we think their life is like. God, help us to have your heart. And if you're listening in and you've never given your heart to Christ, here's what I would say to you. Receive his love and grace and mercy today. Just tell God, Father in heaven, I believe you. I believe that you exist. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross and I believe he rose from the grave. And the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tell Jesus right now, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm asking you, Jesus, will you please forgive me of my sin? Even though I don't deserve it, I'm asking you, Jesus, Would you forgive me? I want to follow you. I want your heart. Help me to follow you, Jesus. Just tell him that, a little step of faith. You need to understand that step of faith is all he requires, that faith. And he gives you the forgiveness of sins to be at peace with God. God, I pray for those who are listening in who might feel far from God or taking that step of faith. I pray, Lord, that you would show them your love and your grace and your mercy. I ask that in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in today. I pray that you've been blessed by that and encouraged and challenged all at the same time. I want to say to you that if you are one of our members or regular attenders that listen online or you're part of LifePoint Church, thank you for your generosity. The way that you give allows us to keep doing this platform as well as the many ministries that we have locally and abroad. So thank you so much for being a part of that. If you are interested in taking a next step, getting baptized or growing in your faith, feel free to reach out to me. My email is edt at lifepointohio.com. That's edt at lifepointohio.com. I'd be happy to engage with you and try to help any way I can. Till next time, God bless.